Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and this is a show that goes over the biggest talking points from the weekend in football, analysing and discussing the most important stories from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. As always, I am joined by some of Napier's finest on today's episode, starting with the man of many clubs, Mr Struan Garvey. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not bad. It's Monday afternoon, it's snowing outside, it's very cold and I am okay. You get snow? Uh, yeah, it's snowing right now, actually. None of it's lying, but it was actually, it's it's sunny cold. Do you know, do you know the combination I do, where yeah. you, you're sitting outside and you're boiling, sorry, you're sitting inside and it's hot and then you go outside freezing cold. This, might sound, this might sound silly, but you know when it's sunny cold, you can see it in the air. If you look at your window and you just kind of see the way the sun is and you just kind of, you can almost tell you feel just it. by looking. Just, that like it's when you can see the grass and it's kind of white. Kind of iced over. Well, we've got blue skies and sunshine on the west coast. Not a, not a drop of snow uh, to be seen. I, I can see the sun and the snow at the same time. Nature's crazy like that, it's isn't it? Magic. <laughs> uh, we have also got the staunchest central defensive midfielder in Wishaw, Mr Taylor Murray. How are you, mate? I'm not bad, not bad. I have uh, just done a Monday. Monday, you know, how to play through. A Monday, Monday. A Monday, Monday. Is well, that what's, different Monday about, is. what's different about a Monday, Monday compared to a normal Monday then? It's just double as shit. <laughs> double as shit. Is what it's Are you not having a good day, mate? Like, what, what's, what's going on? Uh, you know, see where you think life is going good by just plain sailing, and then you just get absolutely pounded from nowhere lately, hundreds of stress. Yeah, that was today. So, uh, I am now went from having. Everything organised and neat piles, you know, everything like I know what I'm doing. First time in my life, by the way, just put it out there, nice. first time in my life. Neat piles are like, doing this, doing that, doing that. I'll grow up, I'll organise myself. Nah, stuff that was, it was meant to be a couple of weeks' time has now been, you know, come clattering down, pushed everything out of the way and go, right, that's next. So, uh, yeah, so I'm stressed, I'm not happy and I'm just not enjoying you know what, no, you know what, can... mate? You know what? Life throws you curveballs sometimes and you'll end up a better man come the end of it once you have to get through the struggle that you're in. Oh, trust me, I'll be fine by tomorrow, by the way. If you had, if you had to do this exact same thing tomorrow, I'll probably forgot about it. Cause... That, that's, that's your Monday motivation for me this week. and that's. And that's... No, you're going to get me through this week for that. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. You're welcome, mate. You're always happy to help. You know me. Uh, finally, we are joined by a man who has been annoyed by some of our introductions in the past. Uh, so So much so that he's getting three today. This is a man who boasts the most lethal left foot in Livingston. Uh, he is Energy Sports resident quiz master and he is Sean and Cameron's two-piece sofa. It's Mr Graham Sinclair. Welcome back mate. How are you? Jack, I don't really want to talk about football today. I think we should change the podcast up. I think we should talk about other subjects because football is rubbish. Would you, would you like to suggest another subject that we talk about? Well, I'd like to first of all shout out my brother in Australia who listens to the show every week. And I think we What's talk your brother's about, name again? Uh, it's Ross Sinclair. Ross Sinclair. He's no. been dying for a shout out in the last three weeks, so I thought I'd fucking give him it. <laughs> no, I, respect, I respect Ross. I, you've you've I told us a lot that Ross listens yeah, to a fair bit of our show. Yeah, Do not bring up that. You've got to bring up the biggest don't you, fan. Dear. You just derailed it by making making a point that no one knows. No one. No, knows no, because I heard about. him. I heard him say I was, and I was like, I was going to mention it another time, but I didn't because you know Taylor fucked it up. But I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, wait, I, yeah, I, <laughs> he was going to mention Ross. Ross, we're sorry, mate. Graham was meant to give you this shit out on last week's quiz that we were meant to record, but Taylor's management of that just kind of tanked that whole plan. So 
So, ah, I would like to publicly apologise, Ross, for that, and I'm sorry it was delayed. It was my so, fault because I don't know how things work. So I think we should just—I think we should just spend the whole podcast talking about all our favourite people in our lives. Who's your Who's your favourite person in your life, Ken? Of course, it would be Ross in Australia. That's lovely. That's I'd like—I'd I'd love to see him again, but unfortunately, Australia is a—is uh, you can't go in it. <laughs> no, you can't go in it for. Well, I mean, but they've kind of got decent a decent life at the moment, Australia. Yeah, you know? they can go outside. We've got pubs. <sighs> and that's just blown the entire <laughs> bit of the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. Well, Ross, thanks for listening, but thanks for depressing us today as well. Like that, that's, that's really good. We appreciate that. Uh, right, so we always start our show here, uh, for a long time listeners, you'll know this, off with a big question. And this one was brought to us by Struan in the group chat this morning. No, uh, it wasn't? It wasn't? No. Was this one Jamie? I think so. Oh, but you ignored all the strings once. Yep. <laughs> I, I had another shot. <laughs> I tried to redeem myself there, but I didn't. I just made myself look like more of a fool. So we're just. No, gonna... I, had, I had to give Jamie credit. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's, that's what Jamie. That's my mistake, Macintosh. I'm sure you're listening. So I apologise now because he will make a comment in the group chat about this. I'm absolutely sure. Uh, so Jamie brought this one, uh, even though he's not on today. There have been some very poor performances in the Premier League over the last weekend from individual players. Uh, Jan Bednarek has had one of the worst weeks of his career by far. Uh, in the 9-0 defeat to Manchester United, he gave away a penalty, scored an own goal and was sent off. He later had that red card rescinded and he was able to play in the 3-2 loss to Lo- uh, not Liverpool, sorry, in Newcastle. He scored another own goal in that, which ended up being credited to Miguel Almiron, but he got the final touch regardless. Accompanying that, Alisson had a fairly poor game, we can say, against Manchester City, uh, committing two errors that led to two of City's four goals. With those two fresh in our minds, I wanted to find out what we believe to be the worst individual performance that we've seen from a footballer. Taylor, I I want to hear your thoughts on this one first. So, uh, there's... Quite a few comes to mind being a Rangers fan over the last, just say the recent 10 years. Um, you've had some absolute woeful ones, you've had some absolutely dug meat ones, you've also had some ones that you'd rather forget about. I could probably last year a probably a full team's worth of performance I've seen where I'm like, it's one of the worst I've ever seen because it just when you think it doesn't get any worse, it does. But, um, I'm not even going to sum up one game. I'm just going to sum up the full guy's career at Rangers. Um, and I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm really sorry. Ian Black. That's all I'm saying. Ian Black. Um, for, Ian for, Black. For what reasons, Taylor? Would you like to expand um, on your reasoning at all? It's just... It's just like... like you get some players that come in a yeah, club and they just, don't make, they just don't make the cut. They're, just, they're not as good as what you think. And sometimes you can put it down to just... They weren't up to it. Um, they just... Weren't maybe they hadn't settled into the country or they just weren't basically just had a good time. Maybe it was just wasn't the right move at the right time. Ian Black, he had been playing at Hearts before he'd moved to Rangers, mm-hmm. I think. So he was somewhat experienced, right? Signing him, I thought, yep, getting a wee bit of dig in the midfield. You know, him playing alongside probably, I don't know, I think it was Andy Murdoch at the time. I don't even know if it was Andy, somebody Murdoch, a youngster. I was like, you know, get a wee bit of experience in there, you know, learn how to do it. He's played at Premiership level. On the way back up, he'll be a good player for this. No, literally, he spent about 99% of his time on the ground 
and um, he'd actually had knee. Oh, he just he just had literally he just wanted the money for Rangers. I'm mad. I mean, I'm, I'm fat. I'm I like take that back. Take that back. Take that back. Maybe he just wasn't good enough as good as I thought, but he literally just did not suit Rangers whatsoever. It infuriates me thinking about the times that I had to watch him play, and I genuinely, I swear to God, he should have been paying me to watch half of his performances. The one that sticks in my mind is, I think it was against Rafe when we lost, or drew at home. That pissed me off. Like, <laughs> I can I'm, tell. Venom in that I'm pretty sure it was Rafe. It was, it was one of these ones I want to forget. It was Rafe. It was one of the times in... It was the championship, or it was maybe been like a championship. It was just really, really infuriating, and I don't want to ever think about it ever again. So, I'm traumatized, Jack. Thank you very much. Can we please move on? You're very welcome, mate. I'm glad to have traumatized you. Right, let's move on. Indeed, uh, Struan Garvey. What? Give, give me one of the worst performances you've ever seen a footballer put in. Oh, it's, it's, it's probably a bad option to go with a goalkeeper, to be honest. But I think Loris Carries in the 2018 Champions League final. It was 2017, sorry, actually. It was 27, was it? Ooh. No, it was 2018, it was, it was fucking yeah, concussed. <laughs> yeah. He was concussed, you're absolutely right, he was. Oh, maybe, maybe that's a bad shout for me then, if, if he was concussed. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. That's unreal. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um, so would you yeah. like to try again? <laughs> oh, do you know what? That's the only one I've, I've probably had a, a, a think about. We've seen some absolutely terrible performances from Scotland players over the over the recent years, haven't we? Oh boy! Oh, don't take um, the one out my mouth. Don't take. Don't. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go for a Scotland. Um, do you know what? Phil Jones and Chris Smalling as a centre back partnership as well. I don't think you could pick out one exact game, but the two of them, oofed. You definitely uh, couldn't pick out an exact game. So what, what, why, why are they in contention here for an individual bad performance if you can't pick out one I'm game? I'm thinking on the spot right now. Trying to, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with Loris Carries and just say, yeah, it was a really bad goalkeeping performance. <laughs> just say sorry. Yeah. He didn't realise he was concussed. Really? Um, yeah. You can come. If okay, can we come back to me? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. To, I'll go to Graham and f- see what he's thinking. Uh, rapidly, whether, he, think. whether he's been able to. Yeah, I've, one got, out of his mind. Well, I've got a nice and easy one. I, I hate to diss my captain and my manager, but in a game against in his last game against Manchester United, he came on at half time to be the saviour. Mm. It stamped in under Hadera after thirty eight seconds and got himself sent off. I did not just like slid into him as well. He got it was two uh, yellows uh, in the face of no no Hadera Hadera slid into him a little bit and he thought it was kind of bad. So I think he like, nah, I'm going to do him uh, the next chance I get and he yeah, just stamped in his leg and he was off and we lost the game. Yeah, that, that, that was the first one that I thought of when I thought of this question personally. That was certainly a moment of madness. Uh, but look at him now. That's all I'll say. Look at him now. He's, he's thriving, you would say, up in Scotland. Beautiful man. Beautiful human being. Oh, Taylor. We're not, we're not, we're not going to... Oh, by the way, I actually found the game. Uh, I was actually on about mind. I said I didn't know. Yes, I'm... I, I can't find the line-up, so it's probably... I'll probably still be wrong knowing my luck, but it was Allah. Drew one each at home. That is the game that I am scarred into my mind for the I, I think that's uh, Slamo Dallow. Always cheating? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Slamo Dallow. Was that, that game unreal? Uh, Struan, have you, have, you, have you clambered something together at all? Yeah, I've, I've, I've thought of one. But I, I think I made this uh, reference, this one in the group chat earlier on at the time, would probably be in Jonathan Woodgate at Real Madrid, the debut 
the red card and the own goal. Yeah. And I think it had been quite a delayed debut for some reason. Like I think he'd been I can't remember if it was injury or something else had caused him, but I feel like it was quite a build up before his debut and then dropped an absolute stinker. And I think you could probably put one on that Brazilian defence probably David Luiz in the uh, in the seven one Brazil. Oh yeah, someone was. You could pick out any handful think, of players from. I think that another game. David Luiz one I remember though it was the Man City game. I think it was the second game of uh, Project Restart. It was Arsenal versus Man City, and I feel like David Luiz had come on for Mari, who was injured, and within that time he'd let Sterling go through, and then he gave away a penalty, and then he got sent off in the same game, and it was just an absolute disaster class from start to finish from him coming on to then just being sent off later on. It's all good fun. It's, no, it's all good so. fun, you would say. Uh, from from me, well, I mean, uh, Gerard against Man United was one of mine. But there was a reason that I didn't want Strun to pick a Scotland player. And that's because I feel like we could have ended up picking the same player. Because we watched this game together at the Three Sisters. And a number of us here were there that day. Was it the left back? Graham Shinney playing yep. left back for Scotland <laughs> against Kazakhstan. One of the worst things I've ever bared witness to in my 21 years on this planet. What McLeish was thinking putting <laughs> putting that man in the squad first and foremost, but in a left back just, oh, it was pain watching that, like really really painful. And I, d- I don't think I need to like, justify it at all, to be honest, because everyone knows how bad, how bad Graham Shinney was that day. And it gets me annoyed even talking about it. See, Jack, you're saying you remember watching that game. I just remember eating chips and enjoying myself. I didn't pay attention to the screen. I don't know what happened. I thought we were just there chatting and there was just some rugby on in the background. Nothing happened that day. Um, Kula didn't get embarrassed by Kazakhstan. And um, that's a game where all Scotland fans will probably have PTSD if they remember it. So <laughs> it's a good start to the podcast, you know. Bad reflections and everybody. Oh, yeah, mate, yeah. Uh-huh. Just just keeping it light and, light and breezy today. That's the, that's the game plan. I like it. Like it, definitely. Right, let's get cracking. Let's uh, get the show going proper with chewing the football, our weekly dip into the world of Scottish football. It was a standard weekend up here in Scotland with a full lineup of Premiership and Championship fixtures. Minus Dundee, of course, because Dens Park just seems to be a barren wasteland at the moment with no football going on whatsoever, despite there always being action at the end of the street at Tanadice. Eh, some of the biggest stories coming out of this weekend, eh, starting in. Graham's neck of the woods. David Martindale lost his first game as Livingston manager. A 14-game unbeaten streak coming to an end with a 2-1 home loss to St Johnston. Cameron Wanstall was there covering the game for us here at Energy Sport. His match report is up on the website if you are interested in checking that out if you'd missed that game. Lads, was this kind of coming? Because there have been kind of whispers of a couple of kind of slack performances. Like the Aberdeen game hadn't been the best of performances from Levy, if I remember that one rightly, and I think there were a couple of others beforehand. So was was this kind of a result that was not expected, but not completely ignored, I suppose? Uh, it's a result where it's probably, you could say, Levy in the past have been credited on grinding it out, and, um, you know, they've just seemed to find that one away, but it just seems the luck wasn't there. But one thing I can say is I think in a weird way, Martindale will be really relieved now. That loss came. Nobody will be speaking about exactly unbeatenness and on that because as much as you know, you try to shield everybody away from it, they always have that in the back of their minds no matter what. So 
As much as it's probably has been an off day for Martin on the squad, they've still put in some fight to nearly, you know, somehow pull it back, which is tremendous effort in itself. But now they'll just kick on, and I don't see that being the cup final, early cup final result. I'll be probably the reverse score I can see. So, as as much as it's a result that you could probably see it's been coming, it's a result. I just don't think things went for. Martin Dale's uh, side that day, but all credit to St Johnson. It's true, and it was actually a point I was going to get onto what Taylor's saying there. Of course, these two sides do meet again come the end of the month in the Betfred Cup final. Do we think that this could be a reflection of the game itself? Because obviously, it's going to be harder to predict the Cup final when it is a one off game. Uh, there's maybe some sort of psychological boost that comes with it, knowing that they've now gotten one up on Livingston. But I, I think I'd still fancy Livingston on the day. You know, you could call them the game of the weekend a blip in their season. I think they'll be putting everything into this League Cup. It's going to be the biggest game of the season for them. And we know how good they've been. I think they'll just have too much for St. Johnson on the day, to be honest. And almost in a way, this defeat could be something to spur them on. It might add extra motivation to them. No, very true. Very good point. Graham, what were your thoughts? Well, I think what we need to do is actually give more credit to St Johnston because they've only lost one game in 2021 and it was a 1-0 defeat to Rangers at Ibrox last week. A game in which they could easily have came away with a point, which doesn't happen too often. So I was surprised when I saw it at first and I kind of like read into it. I kind of looked into it a bit further. I was like, yeah, well, St Johnston have been in great form too. And this Livy side, it's almost like they're, they're due. They have 14 games unbeaten and they're a fantastic side, but they're not... I t- they're not twenty games in a row unbeaten. Good. I wouldn't say that. That's like I would say that's them performing above expectations. So at some point, uh, they were going to lose, and it just happened to be this game. This happened to be this game indeed. I suppose all the results in the, in the league. I mean, would you kind of nail these to kind of almost kind of bridge the gap now between them and the uh, teams below them? You would you would kind of say that there's been a cut-off now and this could potentially be the kind of final standings come the split or is there still plenty to play for especially kind of down near fifth and sixth? Well, I think St Johnston will... At Levy are safe, they'll be in the top six and St Johnston still have an outside chance although I think St Mirren are kind of in pole position for that but St Johnston, they're not in trouble or danger. They're not... They're just... They have an outside chance of the top six, so that's kind of like what they need to just hope for the best, hope for something, have to have a bad enough form, and that they can capitalise and get in that. Absolutely right. Let's move on because there was some news coming out this morning uh, that Sean McGill will have been very, very happy to hear, considering he's been clamouring for this man to come in to his club for a few days, if not up to a week or so at this point. Uh, Kilmarnock have confirmed the arrival of Tommy Wright as their new manager, signing on until 2023, replacing Alex Dyer. Uh, he spent nine years at St. Johnson and won the club their first major honour uh, in 2014 with that Scottish Cup. Uh, a good appointment? Yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> very good. Go on. Why, why, why is that a very good appointment then? He knows the well, league, uh, you know, he's, yeah, go on to it. I was going to say, um, I probably was going to make the same point as you, is the fact is, uh, he knows the league and he's a very, very, to me, good manager. I was really surprised that back when uh, Michael Neal was going to Stoke, that he didn't actually get the Northern Ireland job. Him and Stephen Robinson, I thought, were front runners, but uh, I was just a, as a very, very sturdy manager there. 
I can see him taking Kamarnock to another step from what they are right now. Not saying he'll go to Steve Clark lens, although Sean will be hoping for that. Mm. And so will the Kelly fans. Because, you know, as Sean's already pointed out, they were born on the same day, just different years. <laughs> so uh, I could definitely see uh, Kamarnock being a real force to be reckoned with again, like, at home anyway. They'll, it's not going to be fun to be at Rugby Park for any teams visiting there, although it's got to take time, I think. I can definitely see, you know, Kelly probably finishing comfortably, like, in that bottom section, probably top of the bottom section. Pop, pop quiz. Uh, what position did Tommy Wright play in his Goal. playing career? Pop. Oh, well done. That was, that was quick, wow. Mm-hmm. Don't find many goalkeepers that turn into good managers, do you? No, you really don't. That That is a bit... I think Nuno's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Nuno was a goalkeeper? Yep, Nuno was a goalkeeper. Played in the uh, Jose Mourinho Porto team. Never actually played he was a backup, much. Yeah. And he was just there, yeah. Well, I've been educated today. This is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, do we, what do we think of kind Achilles' of chances now? Uh, because that was, probably from my understanding of it, the, the appointment that every Kelly fan wanted. They all wanted... Uh, Tommy Knight to come in uh, how do we fancy their chances especially with the chat that they were going to potentially end up in a bit of a fight and we could end up seeing relegation playoffs at some point they are in a, they are in a fight they didn't, even the Tommy Knight's in there are in, are in a fight they're only four points ahead of Hamilton 12 only one ahead of St Johnson who are in the playoff places and they're on the worst in the league so sometimes managers maybe need a bit of time to bed in their, their, their ideas Tommy Knight doesn't have that time he needs to get his team up and running pronto because mm. they are in real danger right now. It is going to be just a wee bit difficult, but he's got the back of the Kelly fans, so that's kind of all you can ask for when he's coming in. He's got the full support of the fan base straight away. That's really going to have helped his case. Uh, what else has happened this weekend? Then Dun- I've just oh, discovered sorry. that um, Julian Lopetegui was also a goalkeeper. The uh... Current Sevilla manager. <laughs> Did you just look up managers who were goalkeepers? Yep. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're learning today, Stuart, and this is good. Uh, right. Dundee United. They took a step closer to safety with a 2 0 away win at Yogi Hughes' Ross County, and this one puts them seventh ahead of St Johnston, who we just mentioned, while County remain 11th, with the teams either side of them having at least one game in hand. Is there trouble brewing, like significant trouble brewing for the Staggies? We know they've not had a great season, but seeing just how much of a precarious position they're in, could we see a way out of it for them, or are we expecting the worst? Yes, but it's not increased. It's like they have been in trouble for the entire season. That's why they were one. They were, they were second to set the manager. And Hughes, John Yogi Hughes has come in and did a, a decent job so far, but like, they're not a team that know they're in a relegation dogfight. That's where they're always going to be. That's the level. That's their level, unfortunately. And they're in trouble, but they, it's always like it's trouble they knew was coming. And just at this point of the season, it's all about which team can handle the pressure the best. Who do you think will handle the pressure the best then? Uh, I'd fancy Kelly. I think Kelly have the best squad. I think they have the best squad of players out of Kelly, Ross County and Hamilton, who at this point, that's what it looks like. I think Motherwell will 
comfortably get out of that rut. But I think Kelly, they are ahead. They have the best players. They have the best recent kind of record. And so I'd fancy them to break away a little bit eventually. Struan, Taylor, what what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree with what Graham says. I think Motherwell are going to be are good enough to be safe. And I think Kelly do have a better squad than the other two. And I think Tommy Wright, you know, there's going to be a manager bounce, I would imagine. Taylor? Mm. Hamilton won't go down, so I think Ross County are in trouble. I'm not going to be that naive. As much as we all think it is, we we all know what happened at the weekend. So that means that that's their fight back started. Would you like me to get on to what happened? No, no, can we skip over this? I think we've got to mention it. Can we talk about FA Cup, please? No, because that didn't happen this weekend. That's coming. Um, <laughs> Rangers drop points at home to Hamilton in a bit of a shock result. Uh, a lot, many would say. Uh, Ross Callahan scored his seventh goal of the season, I believe, as he rescued a point. For og. A- pardon? It was an og. It was an og. Mm-hmm. Who scored it? Who? Uh, McGregor. Oh, what? oh my it was. Oh, uh, he has. It was from. It was a header from. It was a header from Olympo, I think, and McGregor uh, saved it. Callahan got the rebound, and he, but he like fired it across the goal. Where he went, probably when he went, went nowhere near an Aki's player. But McGregor, McGregor jumps over it, hits like the east side, ah. and goes in the net. So, okay, so, right, an og, an og. Okay, so it was a McGregor og, and. Uh, Rescued Aki's a vital point in their bid for Premiership survival. Uh, Stephen Gerrard at the end of the game, Taylor claimed that Rangers did not deserve the point that they walked away with. Is that a is that a fair comment for the manager to have made? Fair? I think that's absolutely probably spot on. Like we <laughs> we actually so dramatic. No, like genuinely we. It is a point gain for Rangers against Hamilton. It is a point gain. Like we deserve nothing. We should have been about three or four nil down before like before that even happened. Before we scored, honestly, we were terrible. I'm not gonna say it's the worst performance I've seen under Jared because, uh, as we know, the last team he you know inflict defeat on the Rangers were, you know, Hamilton Aki. So clearly they're our bulky team right now. But nah, that is that was horrendous, and I was really surprised to even get a point and it's one of the ones where I'm pretty buzzing no I'm not I'm not, not. I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty buzzing about a point in the end of it. like I'm not going to sit and say the fact is <laughs> I was shouting <laughs> I and balling reaction would come there. I'm, I'm not going to shouting and balling the fact is we should have done that we should have done that we didn't haven't wanted it more and um, I'm just kind of half glad we've got an unbeaten record intact because I wouldn't want to lose it to Aki's Celtic and Aki's is the only two I'd want to lose it to. I don't care about MDLs. Really? Yeah. Aki's because they don't deserve it because they shouldn't be in the league because I really think they're one of the worst footballing teams you in would, the league. You would take it if Ross County came to Hydrox and beat you? Yes, I would. I'd ha- I'll take that better. I'll take that better than actual getting beat off the Aki's. Wow. I'd, I'd be more understandable than losing the Aki's, but I'm so glad <laughs> that we managed to do that and spent too long on this, so let's move on. Oh, you do make me laugh, Taylor. Uh, I think it was Struan, I think it was who it was it was Alan McGregor himself that came out and said there was there was absolutely no hunger or there was no something something along those lines. He said there wasn't any kind of cutting edge to that Rangers side yesterday and from what Taylor said that's absolutely true. Well, league's basically wrapped up, but is this gonna be a concern at all? 
that they could potentially start dropping more points if they kind of get it in their head that the league's already won. It's possibly a wake up call, sort of to show that uh, the team, you know, you're not there yet. You still have got a long way to go to finish the season. You have a chance of being invincible. Don't throw it away type situation. And I think it does speak volumes that sort of how angry um, a lot of Rangers players and fans are. You can see in Al McGregor's post match reaction, you know, he's fuming, but. You wouldn't you wouldn't think this is a team who have basically got the league wrapped up as ready, and I think it just shows the winning mentality that Rangers have at the moment that anything short of three points just simply isn't good enough, regardless of whether it's to Hamilton, to Tibbs, to Aberdeen, to anybody in the league. So I, I think in a way it's almost a positive sign just to see the reaction following, and hopefully they'll be using it as a wake up call to spur them on for the rest of the season, especially if they do want that invincible title, which I'm sure they do. Now, Graham, I know you're a man. You, you don't do if buts or maybes. You do absolutes. I know I'm a man. You're a man. You, you are a man. You just assumed that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Would you Would you like to clarify what you are then? Nope. Could I get in trouble if I say about that? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so you, you you don't deal in uh, superlatives or anything like that. But is is a is a, an invincible title a realistic? A, a realistic goal for Rangers right now. I don't care. You don't care. I don't care. Who, Why do you not care? If not won a league since two thousand eleven, who gives a fuck if it's without a defeat? I just want to win the league, and it's going to happen. But I just, I honestly don't. Look, I didn't care about Liverpool last year. I don't care about this. If it was a season where, if it was a normal, if it was a season where it wasn't didn't have so much history riding on it, maybe like say that the leagues have been going back and forward, Rangers and Celtic, maybe I'd get an invincible one be good. But we've not won a we don't win a trophy in a decade. That's just who gives a fuck if we go unbeaten. Fair enough. I I, I can't argue against it. Lad. I cannot argue against it. You make a fair point. So we're gonna we're just gonna apologise quickly for there's probably gonna be a, a cut in the audio because. I'm stupid to, to put less, to put a fair a fairly broad point on it. Uh, the sports editor of, of of the of the whole website, the co-editor of the website, that's me. Just completely forgot in a rant about the championship being a good league. Just thought there were more than ten teams in it, didn't I? Started talking about fourth that the gap between fourth and eleventh doesn't exist because it isn't an eleventh team in the championship. Graham started laughing and I broke down. I, 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 I just kind of malfunctioned a little bit, lads, and uh, we're talking about the kind of worst performances in, in football. Is this the worst performance in podcasting? Maybe. It very, very well may be, but I'll, I'll stand by it. There's, there's six points between Dundee and fourth and Queen and South and ninth. That's the point I was trying to make, but I said 11th because I wrote 11th in my notes, and I don't know why I did that. And Jack, it's okay, but could you say it's the worst podcast performance in the world it was not even the last one in energy sport in the last week <laughs> but yeah, the difference is this one's going out <laughs> that's fine that's, that's, how, that's how it's fine <laughs> oh yeah good point See, anyway. <laughs> Tell us, that exist. made you feel worse again after my mistake made you <laughs> No, what you know, we we just had a wee laugh. That's all we did. Nothing was getting recorded that day. No, it's, it's not. It's not as if we get forty minutes into recording, you'd ask one question. <laughs> are you sure you are? Are you sure you are looking at a Scottish Championship table from the nineteen sixties or something? <laughs> I might be, to be honest. Yeah, it's just teams that I've never even heard of, like Clyde Bank in the Championship or something like that. I just don't know where I am. Third Lanark. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a great result for Third Lanark at the weekend. <laughs> Beating the Hearts. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a good one in 
We need to move on. We need to move on, pal. This is oh, I've dropped the ball. This this is what I'm on my way out. The fact the fans are wanting an inquest. They want me gone. And based on today's performance, I wouldn't be surprised if it was any time soon. Let's move our focus uh, south of the border with our next segment, English Entertainment. This is where we take a look at the action from the Premier League and the biggest news coming out of English football. Uh, we had a full slog of Premier League fixtures to get through with our fantasy teams being the main focus of the group chat throughout the weekend. I don't want... Well, Graham's not going to be happy that I'm going to talk about it. He came, he came on the pre-record and he was just not happy that we were going to have to mention both Rangers and Liverpool. But we've got to, because Manchester City have broken through their recent history of malpractice at Anfield, uh, winning by four goals to one, making it the first time in Premier League history that Liverpool have lost three in a row at home. Not great, but one thing, one person that was great on the day, Struan, was Phil Foden. He was exceptional, to be perfectly honest. It didn't look like an, uh, a 20-year-old, he looked like a 27-year-old. The kind of experience in such a big game. And yeah, he's had a really good performance. I saw I saw one of these tactical threads on Twitter, and throughout the game, he was operating as you know a, a, as a false nine. He was on the left wing, he was on the right wing, he was a target man at one point apparently during the game. He was just just all over the place, and such such a reliable player for Pep Guardiola to have in the absence of absence of no strikers and no Kevin De Bruyne at the moment. Taylor, he was helped, of oh, course, by Alison Blunders. Alison Blunders were one thing, yeah, but uh, Taylor, it was a fairly as soon as City scored their second, it was a fairly straightforward performance from them. But Liverpool did give them a lot of problems, especially in the first half. They might have given away a penalty, Gundogan missed that. But I thought I thought it was Liverpool's game up until City scored. See, I I did predict that this would be close. I thought it was going that way as soon as Liverpool scored that penalty and go back in there. I was like, this is going to go back to what it was before the goals. It was just going to be somewhat a stalemate. Two teams with a white attack, but... Liverpool just seemed to have crumbled at one point, and it's just that second set of goals seemed to have just knocked the stuffing out of them. And um, Foden just became a man possessed and started just piling on the pressure, and it just shows tremendous talent. But the only bad thing we can say about that is um, Mason Mount scored, so Foden isn't getting any England squad. <laughs> so, yep, Gareth Southgate has seen that quality, that play, but Mount scored one goal, so Foden better try a lot next time. <laughs> Wow. Uh, Graham, what 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 did you make of this game from the Liverpool point of view? I mean, was it just down to the Alisson mistakes that kind of the game swayed Manchester City's favour? Because I, I thought Liverpool were right up in it until until the second goal. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I think that's maybe a bit harsh to City, but I do think that the reason that game spun out of control was because of the Alisson mistakes. It was a very very even game for sixty minutes, or. Yeah, around 60 minutes and just two absolute moments of disaster from a keeper that is almost always so reliable with the ball at his feet just changed the game there's not really much more you can say about that I watched, Phil Foden was amazing he's such a good player and he's because it seems now that he's he is firmly a player that Pep needs to start every game I think even Pep's maybe didn't order in that he's so strong so confident on the ball anyway you think and it's, he's going to have a massive future ahead of himself, even though he's already world-class now. But as an overall game, I think Liverpool were dreadful. They were better than they were against Brighton on, Thursday, on Wednesday. But can't make mistakes in the big games. You cannot. And it, and it was a big game in itself because there were some big calls in it. Uh, Jurgen Klopp obviously choosing to start 
both Jordan Henderson and Fabinho as a centre-back partnership, despite having uh, both Ben Davies and Ozan Kabak available to him. I, I thought it was a right call, personally, because you wouldn't want to chuck the two new boys straight into a game of this magnitude. But was I the only one thinking that, or were we fairly agreed across the board on that one? Me, personally, I thought they'd at least put one centre-back in if we're alongside... Um... I'm going to say probably Fabinho and push Henderson at midfield. I thought it'd have been the sensible option, but probably Graham has a better insight, and he did say that he felt more comfortable playing with Henderson and Fabinho. But I thought it'd make sense, even though it was uh, probably arguably the deep end you'd be chucking a player in. I felt like you still would have needed a natural centre back in that game, and that might have helped prevent some somewhat of like the attacks for City. But Graham might, you know, have a more probological reason why he feels like Fabinho and Henderson would start. Graham, would you care to pick up where Taylor's leaving? Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's not, it's, Man City is not the game that you put two new centre-backs in, two young centre-backs in who don't have experience at the top level. It's a game when Henderson and Fabinho have actually both covered adequately in the time that they've had to Moving the centre back, it's uh, yeah. So it was a great decision, and it was a great decision for sixty minutes. It wasn't, and then it was the keeper mistake that, that changed the game. It wasn't Henderson or Fabinho. Very good point. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought they did all right. To be honest, I mean, Sterling called Trent into question, especially for the second goal. But I, that point kind of made off nothing, I suppose. But a fairly com- uh, confident City performance, regardless, and. Struan, we don't like to put definitives on things, but is that the league? Yep. 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 Well, uh, yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? Think, Not uh, necessarily. Do you know, no, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. But at the same time, I don't really know when Man City are going to lose a game, let alone anyone going on a winning run. I just think, from a Man City point of view, they're not even at full strength at the moment, and they're dispatching game after game after game. I think that Ederson had gone on one that, apart from an Edwin van der Sar and a Petr Cech, the longest run of any goalkeeper without conceding in the league at the time, which is which is pretty incredible. You know, Man City aren't even the top scorers in the league. I think they're third on the list at the moment, but they're just winning constant games, just not conceding, and it's it's just hard to see where, if at all, they're going to drop points to anybody at the moment. Especially now, they're sort of creating that point gap. You look at the cup fixtures, I think it's Swansea they've got in the FA Cup this week, so they can definitely rest quite a few players for that. And I think even mentioned Gladbach in the Champions League, they might be able to play a bit of a rotated side for that, so I think they'll be absolutely fine in the league for the rest of the season. Big claim to make, but it's not one that I would entirely disagree with. Uh, moving on, Taylor, you mentioned it there, so I'm going to come to you. Uh, Mason Mount scored his first goal under Thomas Tuchel as Chelsea defeated Sheffield United 2-1 at Bramall Lane last night a place where the Blues lost 3-0 last season. Uh, do you think Mason Mount's been judged more fairly now that Frank Lampard is gone? I think Mason Mount has now became that player that everybody thought he might have not been. They thought Lampard, he was always mocked as Lampard's kid. You know, Lampard basically just picked him because he favouritised him, because they had him at Derby. But do we see a logical reason why Lampard played Mount Game in, game out. Game in, game out. Because essentially, he is that driving force at midfield. 
he's just he's a very important player for Chelsea, and arguably, I'm going to say, I, I don't like to get ahead of myself, but arguably he's probably the most important part of our Chelsea team since, you know, the guy that put him in, Lampard. And that, I don't that's know what your feelings on that is, but claim. <laughs> like that's a bold claim. Like we see, we seen exactly how how much he changed the game when Tuchel's first game, when he didn't start, and then as soon as he came on, Aye, he changed. He just, might, have cha- might have changed the game, Taylor, but it still ended nil nil. Yeah, no, it's still. I'm not saying the fact is he's no would go be. I was absolutely wonder kid where he's got to score everything that, but I think he's just he's got that bit about him where I look at him and I think he's learnt off of him. He's he's watched him. He's learnt off of Lampard, and he's new. Like I just I think he has that about him. I'm not saying he is going to be Lampard where he's got to end up breaking, you know, Chelsea's most appearances, goal records that. But he just he has that influence that I think Lampard had, and maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe I'm just like over exaggerating, over hyping him. But I generally do believe that he is such a vital player for Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel. If he utilises him properly. They are going to go very far with that attacking uh, threat that they've got. I think the only point I would make to counter that is just simply Deli Alley, in the sense that around the same age as Mason Mount, you know, he was he was getting the same comparisons, and he's probably better than Mason Mount in terms of numbers in the Premier League. But recently, it's sort of fallen away. So I think maybe maybe a bit early to to compare him to the greats. No, I do agree. It's very very early to compare him to the. To the greats, I would absolutely back that up. But I, d- I don't think there's any reason to believe he couldn't go on and reach those heights. Personally, uh, great, uh well, what what about do because he is growing up in a generation just now where he is, he has a lot of very talented contemporaries surrounding him, and you look at the England team, and you can't fit them all in. So there's Mount Foden, who we've already mentioned, Grealish, Madison. And we'll chuck Deli Ali back into the equation, I suppose, if he picks up form again. Who do you take in, in an international squad to a tournament like the Euros? Like wh- which combination of the players do you do you rely on? Because each one of them, while fairly similar, does play different roles. So I, I I'm just interested to hear what everyone thinks, whether you would take Mount, whether you would take Grealish, whether you take Ali, whoever. I think Grealish is his first choice. I, I think, think he's, he's got to be the best out of all of them. To be fair, I think yeah. I, I think, think he also has that versatility to be able to play on the wings, which probably will come in handy. And then, I think I think you're basically in a bit of a mix up between the rest of them. Then you know, there's, I'd maybe go James Madison purely on the fact that he's a bit older, he's a bit more experienced. But that's ah, a tough one because Mount Foden are both very good as well. Mm. I think I think Grealish is the only seventy that I would say he's definitely my first choice out of them, and then from there, it probably just comes down to personal choice. Taylor, I think I think I know who you'd lean towards because you seem to back Mount more than I do recently. No, yeah, I can, and Mount has to be first there, and then after that, it's it's uh, Foden. Foden. No, no, not Foden. Sorry, Grealish. It's because I think it's Grealish. It's Mount Grealish, and then after that, as Graham as Strun said, it's pre- preference. Me, if he had to take a third, it would be Foden. Like, I don't think Madison's is a great player, by the way, but I don't think he'd be up there with <clears throat> what you'd need from like that. So, I think Grealish and Mount are definitely essentials where they've got to be on that team. Okay, Graham, any, any, any thoughts? Sir? Don't give a shit about the England squad, Foden's the best player. 
fair enough. Moving I think on. I'd maybe lean towards Foden as second after Grealish. I think I'd take Foden over Grealish. I think Foden's Foden over Grealish. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Foden's elite. I think he's got the makings to be what the best English talent since Rooney. I like it. I like. I, like I, think, he's like, I think he's that good. Grealish is a great player, but he's also a left winger. England England squad don't give a don't give a flying fuck (laughs) (laughs) putting on an Irish accent to make make the claim a bit of disdain towards England I love it Uh, let's move on from that like we don't really want to talk about an England squad more than we realistically need to and we didn't really need to so we've already extended our coverage by too much Uh, I'm trying to think we probably don't want to discuss that because it's refereeing decisions and we don't like refereeing decisions. But Jack, I know, I know, I know. You know? I strewn about his team losing a last-minute equaliser. Okay, let's do that. Strewn, Man United lost a last-minute equaliser to Everton at home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. Everton, the team who could finish above Liverpool this season. Um, yeah, it was pretty pathetic <laughs> you defending. You throw that back. I, 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 was, I was quite impressed with that. De Gea was absolutely horrific once again. In terms of coming off of his line, I think he's probably, you know, you want a goalkeeper to have cat-like reflexes. I think he's just a scaredy cat at this point. You know, sh- shot stopping, ah, he's good. probably one of the best in the league. One, like two, two, three years ago, he was called the best keeper in the world. The last two and a half seasons, it's not quite been there. It doesn't tend to leave his line. We saw that. First goal, it, it, it's an error that you would expect a younger goalkeeper to make. De Gea's 30 now, you can't be palming it back into the middle of a box, you know, a two-goal lead at home, that that should be enough. I, f- I feel sorry for the Man United forwards in midfield in that game, you know, if you score three goals, you should win that game. You should have enough faith in your defence to be able to hold on to that. United you know, were 2-0 up, United you know, were 3-2 up. A needless free kick to be thrown away, but I don't actually blame the free kick on it, it's just such poor defending. The entire, the entire team are actually in a good defensive shape, minus the captain, Harry Maguire, who's playing everybody on side. Calvert Lewin gets through, and it's it's just poor. It's just poor for Man United, and I think it just highlights why that team cannot be considered to be in the title race with such silly defending from set pieces, which has been apparent all season long. You know, I I made the point on the football roundup that United don't don't make it easy for themselves, and I think that Everton game highlights it. That even when <clears throat> they've they've given themselves a comfortable lead twice in the game, they still just they still just can't put it to bed. But it's quite a shame because I think I think all I want to talk about in that game is Bruno Fernandez's goal to make it two 0 at the time, which was rather sensational. But obviously now it's sort of been overshadowed by the shades of Eric Cantona. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, I, no, I'm not him. I wrong. See, I saw the comparison. That's we annoyed me. And you know, Dan, you know, English clubs on social media are just getting too stupid just now. Oh no, yeah. Can I I'm getting point? a bit annoyed at how often I've seen Pep Guardiola dancing to Julie. No, I, I saw it. I, I, I like that. that. That that's I, funny. I don't know. That, that's that's like serotonin. <laughs> Even they beat that team four one, and I still watched it. <laughs> I, I like that because it's like it, it's quite funny. But then it's stuff like just stuff from the game, like out out with like actual matches. Their part can be quite good. I, I saw a tweet showing side by sides of the Cantona and the Fernandes goal. And like, wow! Yeah, and it's from Man United. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> they, it's like they don't yeah. look the same. <laughs> I think, I think the only similarity is there's a dummy and the ball sort of follows the same path when it goes no. in. Yeah, there's like it's they've just sort tried of? to jump on that hype train. And our one is Watford. I think by it's just because Bruno Watford gets so many TikTok. Cantona comparisons. Watford and TikTok. <laughs> it's it's it. I don't know why it works, but it kind of does. 
It's just they just love ripping out of everybody, no what matter who recently? you are. What was the most recent one? Oh, Rose did one about um, Burn Leno, and you know that it's the final brain cell song. They put that up on their oh, TikTok. Oh, yeah, they did. That which was a bit crazy, because when I first saw it, I just thought it was a, like a normal TikTok, and then I realised it came from the official Wolves account. <laughs> just completely <laughs> ripping it. Caught your guard a wee bit, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, you just, you just don't expect to see that. No, you do not. You'd like to see that on the timeline. <laughs> not, not on the timeline. Uh, there are a couple of other things that happened in the Premier League. Kane got Kane got back into the action with Spurs, and Spurs won. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, Thomas Suchek gets sent off, but then had his red card rescinded in a challenge and a right referee decision that yielded death threats. Not no. really so. That's bang. I think That's there's been so much toxicity coming out recently, and I'm really not liking it. I get the lockdown's um, hard, but good god, man! Yeah, I mean one. Once again, after the Man United game, Axel Twanzebi was getting racially abused on social media, and you just think that's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Hundred percent, pathetic. Yeah, it is, honestly, I don't happen. understand what it achieves. Like, what, what's the point? What, what's that got to achieve? Saying um, a death threat, it's like so pointless, so stupid. It's stupid. The guy's just trying to do his job the the best he can. Of course, he's he's not got any agenda because it's just it'd be actually harder to try to keep as a, a, a be harder to keep up an agenda as a referee than actually just referee the game normally. So it's just it's stupid. Mike Dean is I think he's quite a funny guy as a referee. I, some folk don't like him. I think he is like I like his antics. Makes refereeing look more colourful than bland. So colourful than bland. Yeah. So um, I feel. Actual sickening the fact that folk would even go that far, but as as much as it's the wrong decision, that nah, you don't go that far. That's the line that's been crossed. Poor, poor. Hopefully we don't see it anything like it in the near future. But knowing the nature of English football at the moment, we will, which is a shame. Uh right. Let's wrap up our show, which has been a bit of all over the place, and I feel like you said to that today. Uh, with last up challenge, which sees us trying to catch the bigger stories from around the continent before they pass us by. Struan, your, your mate Ibrahimovic uh, hit his 500th career goal as AC Milan ran it as 4-0 winners. Yep, great to see you. It's nice to see Ibrahimovic back in amongst the goals and nice to see AC Milan continuing their good form. Do you think This was a big game as well with yeah, between Juventus and Roma. Sorry, go on. Do you think Ibrahimovic stays past this summer? Do you, th- do you think he carries on for one more season considering how well he's been doing? Um. You know, it's almost one of them where I'm not sure if he could even get a better deal than he is at the moment. Of course, he'll turn 40 in, I think, September or so. Which, ah, that's absolutely crazy to say, isn't it, actually, that he's got, like, a striker is going to turn 40 um, yeah. later on this year, and he's still one of the top goal scorers in the Serie A. So. I hope he does stay. I think it's quite nice being at AC Milan. You know, regardless of how his career is going, it's obviously been a massive boost for AC Milan themselves you know just having somebody of his presence let alone ability just around the club at the moment and I think they'll probably want him to stay on I think he'll probably want to stay on maybe maybe some sort of coaching role maybe not quite as much action on the field next season but definitely I think he'd want to stay with the club especially if they do go in and win the Scudetta I could see it I could certainly see it uh, Graham there's been a bit of stuff with Champions League fixtures uh, the last kind of couple of weeks Liverpool's tie with Leipzig has been moved to a neutral venue in Budapest they're playing the game in Budapest the first leg obviously because of the travel ban in Germany and I think I'd seen this morning that Chelsea vs Atletico the first leg was potentially going to be moved to Warsaw 
does this kind of just disrupt what's already quite a disrupted season even more, or is it just anything to get the games played out and over and done with? It's just to get them played. They're getting played at the same time. Kind of maybe a bit of a hit in the teeth for the team that are going to play the home side, so Leipzig in Liverpool's case. But the game's going to get played. It won't be, it won't, the game's not going to be disrupted any further. It's not because of COVID tests. It's just because of government restrictions. What What are your thoughts? Champions League comes back next week. Are you confident against Leipzig? Absolutely not. <laughs> My team can't beat Brighton at the moment, so I'm not confident they're going to be a good Leipzig team. See with um, see with the Champions League. Do you think? It is going to make a massive difference. More, it's it's more the travelling aspect, isn't it, than the fans yeah. for the, the the awkwardness of the of the fixtures. But, yeah. No, no, it's, de- it's de- just because different countries all have different regulations and stuff like that. Over. Do you, think, do you think more Champions League games will follow the suit depending on how the draws go later on, or Because you you mentioned earlier, Jack, about the, the Chelsea game potentially moving as well with Atletico. I think they've got to. To be honest, I think I think if they want to carry on the competition the way that they're going with the two legs, I think changes are going to need to be made if they, if they are to keep the competition kind of going as planned so yeah not going to be surprised if we see kind of more of the knockouts changed and reassessed to better fit the flow of the competition uh, well, so, oh yeah kind of, big, kind of big news coming out of the Netherlands, Andrew Onana has been banned for 12 months on a doping violation in which he mistakenly took his wife's medicine instead of aspirin, thinking that they are mistaking it for aspirin, and it's called the ban excessive and disproportionate. I mean, 12 months for a doping violation seems realistic, but, could, I mean, could he have a case for ne- like almost negligence or, or unknowingly having, when, having when, committed the violation? Or When you read the excuse... I don't know about you guys, my, my first instinct was, oh, that's just nonsense, isn't it? You know, it's one of those excuses <laughs> that just sounds like you've completely made it up on the spot. Yeah. But then you sort of think about it and there, there maybe is a case for it. You know, I do feel I do feel sorry for him in that sense. And apparently, you know, he's, he's known about this, is going to be coming for a while, but wasn't going to be sure of how severe the ban would be in the end. Well, obviously, I think for his career especially, I think this is an, a nightmare by all means, because he was quite close to joining Chelsea or somebody in the summer, was he not? Or he was on Chelsea's list, I think. I think, I think yeah. And I think Dortmund were interested in him as well at some point. Onana's kind of flitted about Chelsea's kind of transfer list for numerous summers at this point. That, that's no real news to me that he was kind of considered, but that's where we are. Taylor, what, what's, it, what's your thoughts, lad? Um, I think they did the right thing banning them to start with because they don't um obviously don't know the full story behind it. However, if I'm saying if Barry, I don't know if this is obviously the case, but if he has done it by accident and it's this one and only time that it is shown why what's with excessiveness if it is an accident like it's something that seems very plausible to have happened. There's no like um somehow he's found some like performance enhancing drug that you have to take like out with, you know, someone's house or someone could be on medication. So like that if it is if a proper investigation was done and it's found that it was by accident, I feel like 
maybe two or three months because like, yeah, it's stupid, you need to watch what you're doing, but yeah, but twelve months if it as an accident seems very harsh, I think. But in the same sense it's correct, if you get what I mean. Yeah, like no. he's still committed the violation at the end of the day. Yeah, so. he's committed violation so he needs to be banned. But if it's an accident and it's twelve months, that's harsh. Very, very harsh, I think. I think it should be a couple of months, like two months max if it is if a proper investigation was done on him, you know, we've done it by accident. But if he has done it by way deliberately and um that's what the investigation has found out and that's the reason for the twelve months banned. All his own fault. But it's just one of the ones where we don't know exactly if his story has lined up or if they've even investigated that. Well, I suppose he's the only one that knows the absolute truth of what happened, so... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them being more contented at that story, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see it kind of peter out and just have the result of the kind of claim just left as it is. Uh, right, we're going to wrap up just there. What are we looking forward to this weekend and this week uh, ahead in football, lads? We've got FA Cup fixtures midweek, but it's FA Cup and you're only really interested if your team's involved. Struan, uh, West Ham for Man United, am I right? Yep. Um, Tuesday night, West Ham, Man United, the, the, the Moyes Derby. Taylor, the how, how, Derby. Do you, how do you think the Moyes Derby's going to go? Um, United are sadly going to have to lose in the FA Cup because it's going to be in our Black Mark and Socials manager record, which I'm really sad about. But um, David Moyes is the messiah. He was recommended on the technicality of a legend. And yes, he's got to win this. Did he get the job on a technicality, though? He actually got it. I'd say he got the probably out of... Um, Oh shit, we don't know where to go for us. Moyes help us out, and somehow he has turned into Guardiola Reborn for some Guardiola reason. Guardiola Reborn. Do not title that this. Whatever you <laughs> bloody do. Oh no, well, I'll, I, I, we don't title these like that, but that will probably get clipped. You've just called Moyes Guardiola Reborn. Let, let's just let that settle for a little bit and we'll move on. Uh, Graham, no. FA Cup games for Liverpool but there is Scottish Premiership action during the week uh, what are you looking forward to in that batch of fixtures they're, they're all interesting Kelly's coming out's first game uh, good St Mirren Celtic so there's a chance for Celtic revenge only a week and a half after the St Mirren beat at Celtic Park mm-hmm. so that's what I'm looking forward to lovely stuff uh, ER supposedly playing away to Dens tomorrow night, but there's been snow up in Dundee, so it would appear that Dundee's search for actually being able to play a game will most likely go on, which is annoying, but what more can you do? Uh, That's all from us this week on a fairly slashed-together episode of the Football Roundup. Thank you very much if you've managed to make it all the way through, regardless. Uh, Make sure to to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter to keep up to date with all of our sports content. Thank you to Struan, Taylor and Graham for sitting with me through this one. Be sure to check out Extra Time and the Fantasy Ramble later in the week, but until we see you next time, I've been Jack Donnelly, this has been the Football Roundup. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.